I am beyond excited to announce that I have partnered with Magimix for season eight of Crazy Sexy Food. Magimix is a family-owned business that has the amazing reputation as makers of quality kitchen appliances that are adored by chefs and home cooks alike. I remember growing up and always seeing my mum's beloved Magimix on her countertop and the utter ease of how she used it. With their 30-year motor guarantee, these machines have always been built to last. They continue to be relevant as ever in the busy kitchen and make fantastic food processes that make your food go further and reduce food wastage. They are a godsend when it comes to batch cooking and using up leftovers. I use my Magimix every single day. If you're ready to step into the world of Magimix with a new food processor, blender, ice cream maker, or any other bit of kit, then simply pop over to their website and use my exclusive code at checkout for a 15% discount. The code is MagimixCSF. Make it with Magimix. Hi, and welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. I'm Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs, and people who, well, just love their food to find out all about their life, career, and their favorite tastes along the way. Today, I'm joined by the gorgeous actress, Mamie McCoy. You may recognize her from the BBC's The Musketeers, the film The Virgin Territories, and most recently, ITV's Vandervolk. But acting isn't the only talent running through her blood. She's part of an incredibly foodie family, with both her parents and brother all being restaurateurs. More on that in a bit. I cannot wait to find out all of the food stories in Mamie's life and get behind the mind of an actress. Mamie, what a pleasure to have you on. Welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. Morning. Thank you. I'm glad I spilt maple syrup on my trousers just for you this morning. That's so on brand. Are you feeling a little sticky? Everything is. What were you eating? Well, I dropped my daughter at school and I went for a coffee and then I thought, right, I'll paint my nails, write some notes for this and eat breakfast all at the same time. Okay. So I had like sourdough and peanut butter and maple syrup and banana but I was kind of picking it with my hands. Right. So I couldn't like smudge my nails. And then I realized on my lovely like cream cords, I got maple syrup. But do you know what I haven't fine. noticed? So Good. it's just blended in. Good. There we and go. you've also asked my answered my first question, which was, what did you have for breakfast? Oh, there we go. That sounds delicious. That was good. Yeah. That's like a good start to the day. Well, I realised I am not a very routine person. So I think it probably, and I wish I was in a way, because breakfast is never the same thing. I'm not like, this is exactly what I do every morning. Like my dad does with his fruit and his spirulina and his stuff. It's like he never alters from that. So I chop and change, but I think that's probably, I think that's how I am as a person as well. I very much change depending on the person I'm with. Yeah. The time of year, if I'm Mm. working, if I'm not working, how much time I've got. Um, So it will, every day will be totally different. I think that's good. I think it's good to have variety. I, I mean, I used to go through phases where I'd have the same breakfast every day. Yeah. And then now I'm like, I can never eat porridge again because I've just overdone it. Yeah. I think it's just important. And also, you don't know what you feel like every morning. Yeah, I think so. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm not hungry till 11. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm so totally the same. I'm not going to do it. So thank you for joining me in my home. Mm-hmm. We are filming this podcast, which... I'm very excited about and you are part of the guinea pig uh, (laughs) season so we are trying it out but I think so far so good. We met earlier this year at the big festival in the summer. That was fun wasn't it? Festival was yeah it was wicked. I had no idea what it was going to be like and I only went for a day and a night as well Okay, so we kind of crammed it in. I slightly overlooked the fact that it was a proper food festival. Right. I know that sounds like a really stupid thing no, to say. Okay, I get but we that. basically just turned up to dance. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. dance we did. Um and it was it was gorgeous. It was absolutely lovely. And I was trying to think about some of the stuff I ate because we had did you have one of the toasties? There was like a green toast like a cheese and I like, know where you're talking you know about talking and I about. didn't make it there annoyingly because I'd discovered the stall that was selling the Doritos packets cut in half and filled with melted cheese and pulled pork 
Oh, fuck, didn't I? I, <laughs> I missed that one. Yeah, so I ate that for three days consecutively. Oh, my God, how did I not yeah. see that? No, because, I know. Oh. So, but I really did want one of those the toasties. The toasties were amazing. Yeah, we they found them on the, way, on the way back to the tent. Okay. So we were shit-faced. Yeah, great. And, um, and I almost didn't remember them till the morning when you woke up and went, oh, did we have this toast? It became like this mythical toasty, which we then had the next day and wasn't, was still good, but never, you know, <laughs> it's never going to quite hit that yes, high, is it? Absolutely. Um, yeah. But it was a fun one and we danced, a, I just needed to dance yeah. to Basement Jacks. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, no, I actually ended up missing them, but this was the Friday night, right? No, Saturday. Oh, Saturday yeah, night. Saturday okay. Because I had a great experience with Sugar Babes on the Friday, which was oh. just epic. Just, you know, another sort of childhood classic. Yeah, yeah, so I want to take it back a uh-huh. bit. I want to take it back to your childhood. You were born and raised in Yorkshire. Yeah. That's, that's why we got the sultry tones of your <laughs> accent. I want to know what life was like growing up. Who was cooking? What were you eating? What was on the kitchen table? Oh, growing up was... Um, it's so interesting when you start looking back on it because it was... Like anything, it's just totally normal, your own environment, isn't it? But it it wasn't very normal, really. We had um, the restaurant that we grew up in was an old coaching inn. So we lived in what was like the stable bit. Oh, cool. So we had this little bungalow in the stable yard and we had like a three-story hotel, restaurant, French bistro underneath. So, um, and very separate, there was no, we weren't in a village, we were, we had the North Yorkshire Moors on one side and a big main road, so we were very isolated, so we had this funny little kind of bohemian bubble, which was all about food and service and graft, Um, and so we had, and this strange kind of facade, which I say to my mum and dad all the time, kind of set us up for being actors, really, my little brother's an actor as well, but... um, it was very much feast or famine. There was very much a show going on, you know, lots of presentation, lots of kind of, you know, greeting people and kind of learning how to interact and I guess take, you know, be curious about people and to really enjoy what they bring to um, when they come into this little world because it felt like a very separate world. So we had... um, I guess there was like the fancy side of the food in the restaurant and then the stuff we would have in the house was it was never what everybody else had I always wanted Finder's crispy pancakes <laughs> potato waffles and viennettas like everybody else did viennettas <laughs> like, which oh I gave to my, my daughter gosh. the other day she had a play date and I got a viennetta do they still like, taste the same yeah they're amazing oh god yeah. I need to I need to get a viennetta yeah just that was a real treat a well, viennetta we, oh we never had we weren't we never had them so well, no so we weren't allowed them unless we ate our dinner Oh, really? Yeah, there was like lots of strict policies in our house. But uh, so you've got, it's interesting, sort of the sort of split in your childhood. So you sort of had this sort of production going on, so to speak, Mm. with with the restaurant. And and, so you said it was a and b as well. Yeah, there were seven bedrooms. Okay. And then, so we, so what was your palette like as a child? Because was it a bit more advanced and like, Probably. like some of your friends? I think so. And things were always just a bit different. So like when we'd have packed lunch, we wouldn't have like a normal slice loaf in the house and we'd get it from, we, we kind of lived in and out of the restaurant. So we'd have French bread, which I used to be very embarrassed about. So like when okay. we'd have sandwiches at school, I would literally, cause I was so shy. So I'd hide them under the table. I just wanted what, just wanted oh. some like shit white bread yeah. with some cheese in it. Yeah. And this was a bit fancier, but I, n- I never felt like confident or comfortable with that. So there was always that slight juxtaposition. Um, so I guess, and we used to come to London a lot. So we'd eat in certain restaurants. So we'd try things. We used to go to San Lorenzo's. That <gasps> oh was my our gosh. family place. Which sounds a bit fancy, but... So, in all of my episodes, and I'm in, like, the 80th something episode, yeah. not one person has mentioned San Lorenzo. That was my family restaurant as well. Oh, were you on the board? Yes. Yeah. There's a photo of me the... on that board. Oh, my on... parents got married there. My parents met there. Did they? We've Did celebrated they? every major birthday in my family at that restaurant. Oh, we have as well. Gosh, we were destined to meet. Oh, wow. So we what used... a special place that was. Yeah, I have so many memories there. So most of the time, me and my two brothers would 
be in the cloakroom with Rose, yes. who's still our dear friend. Oh, we saw her yeah. last week. Oh my, you, when you next see her, please tell her that you know me. Yeah, I will do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, sorry, I'm having like oh, a this is on like nostalgic moment. Yeah, we, I never meet anybody who's done it really. Oh gosh, that is that's my childhood. That did place. you go to the joke shop next door? Was the yes, joke shop there? Yes. So we always used to go and get the fags yes. and the talcum powder. Yeah. In. Oh my god, I mean, that's <laughs> really like that. so adult. <laughs> and a loaf of bread, yes. which was a sponge. <laughs> that was like gosh. our comedy stuff. Yeah, I'm like trying to get over that. Ah. Okay, so, so in terms of palate, we'd have like yeah. the crudite and we'd have vongole and stuff <laughs> like that. That's always what we ate, and then we'd go back home and we'd be having like just stuffed baked potatoes which my dad had cooked on telly once <laughs> he, like, amazing we did like he was on telly for quite a bit throughout our childhood okay. on various cookery shows so you know he we'd always we went through like a spell of just doing baked potatoes scooping them out and then filling them with stuff and then putting them back in the oven and just having salad you know mm. that was like so tea. who was cooking for the kids most in the evenings would you say um well, do you know what is funny? Because this is where I have a bit of a block in my memory. My memory isn't so strong on that. But I think, so dad was always in and out of the restaurant working, like literally back and forth. Um, so mum did, yeah, mum did most of it, I think. Dad would kind of nip in for that bit just before, because mm. it's just before service, you know. So like, so he'd come in. So that hour before when we'd be having tea, he'd be in, or we'd have just got in from dance class or whatever we were doing that night. So we'd probably have like 40 minutes and we'd do, you know, get some like ready-made pizza dough and we'd kind of do our own pizzas together and stuff. And then he'd, you know, have a glass of wine, nip off to, to work. And then that was it. And I mean, obviously, I know I did ask you about like this advanced palette, but sort of, in relation to your friends, you mm. know, when they, I assume, sometimes came over to yours. Yeah. Was it a very, like, oh, you went to theirs? I can assume it was a very different environment. Well, the, I always, it used to be exciting going to theirs because it would be very right. different. Oh, depending, actually, who's, I remember, like, going to Frances Taylor's house and her mum used to do this. We love you, Frances Taylor. <laughs> Lovely Frances, <laughs> which I've not thought about this for ages, for, like, ever. She used to do this, like, chicken... It must have been very, like, 80s, early 90s. Like, a chicken casserole. Probably with, like, a tin of chicken soup in. But then crisps crunched up on top and then grated cheese, I think. I mean, we would never have got that in our house. Wow. So it blew my mind that you could put crisps on top of a bait. I mean, that sounds fabulous. Something like that. Okay. Very avant-garde, I feel. Yeah, actually. And they used to do some fancy, but, like, different fancy to us. Yeah. I'm sort of into that. Mm. And so, because, obviously, your parents were running this restaurant, you know, you sort of were in this world that was quite different to, like, Mm. I guess, the average childhood or, you know, a lot of Mm. the, the, the kids you were going to school with... Was there an interest in your life to pursue that? Um, I think so. I mean, I we always had jobs. We were kind of lucky that I worked, like 12 to 13, worked in the laundry room every Saturday afternoon. That paid for my ski trip. I so I did it. all of the pressing in the you know top of the house, <laughs> just literally looking out the window. I must have just daydreamed of, you know, dancing, which is all yeah. I did back then. Um, and then from 13, I worked in the dessert kitchen every Saturday night. So I did every Saturday service from like 13 to 18 and then Friday nights as well. So, um, it was, it was so ingrained in us and there was such a love of it. But I, but I always remember going, God, I'm not going to do this when I get older because it's just such hard work. It's so relentless it's relentless on your body Mm. there's never any time off you can't Mm. really plan anything holiday you know you're just you're a slave to it really so I remember that being the thing and then I spent all of my 20s waitressing and doing private work Mm. and then baking and then setting my own business up and working for different people so that kind of and it's kind of still there now it doesn't really go away but um yeah it's pretty brutal yeah no I I feel like you're either going to go one of two ways if you're really immersed in that world. Yeah. Um, it can either just sort of make you fall in love with it or you absolutely turn your back on it. Because, I mean, I'm not from a restaurant background, but I obviously meet a lot of chefs. Yeah. And people always say to me, well, you know, would you ever think about opening your own restaurant up? Absolutely Uh-oh. not. No. <laughs> no. It's just because you know what as well? I don't know about you, but one of my greatest pleasures is eating out. Yeah. And I don't want to ruin that. No, you lose it a bit. <laughs> and I yeah. really will lose yeah. it. So I did mention um, your brother in the intro. Yeah. He is 
the co-founder of Duck Soup, which is in Soho in London, talk to me about the restaurant, talk to me about your experience, I guess, through his eyes of, you know, having a really fantastic place. Well, it's not his anymore. Okay. So he's not part of it now. Okay. And that's quite a recent thing. But yeah, I mean, experience through Rory of like London restaurants has been fascinating. And I think certainly the world and the scene, which they were very much a part of beginning and growing with natural wine and, and the way they serve food and how they serve food and how they presented it, um, was quite, it's quite an eye opener. It was Mm. quite a different path. And certainly that palette of natural wine, which I'm still, you know, discovering is, you know, was very different from anything I'd had before, I think. And, and Rory's a real obsessive. He's a bit like a mad scientist. So he goes so, he's so dedicated um, to exploring tastes and flavors and experience. And he'd had so much experience growing up. Um, not just in the restaurant that we grew up in, he had various other ones, he worked all around the world and kind of brought that into that little niche world, which he's now taken to Mallorca because he's just opened a place up in Mallorca where he's doing um, natural wine, but ice cream. And ice cream is his like love major that. love. So yeah. why, why Mallorca? Um, his girlfriend's Spanish. Okay. So they moved to Spain a couple of years ago and, and this little site came up in Soya and... I'd been there a couple of years ago and I remember when he sent it to me, I was like, I love that town and I think there's great trade in there, passing trade. There's the tram that goes up to the port. Oh, nice. Um, so there's a lot of tourists, but it's also north of the island. So there's kind of, there's a there's a scene, there's a vibe. Yeah. Everybody's passing through. It's interesting, like this summer, it feels like everyone this year has either gone to Mallorca on holiday or yeah. gone to Croatia yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of on the map and and he's been using you know, he'll leave me a voice note and he's like, oh, I just found these fig leaves at the side of the road. So he's experimenting with that. So he's done like a fig leaf and spearmint ice cream. And oh, wow. All these flavors, which you taste them or he's done, what else is he using? Um, See, I love ice creams like that. Yeah, do you? Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. We love a Vionetta, but <laughs> I have to say, yeah. as I get older, I do get quite excited by unique flavors. Yeah. It's just, and it's something that kind of, I sound like I'm like a, like a food critic, but it's sort of like teases the palate because you're not expecting it. No, and that's it, what yeah. I love. It's fascinating yeah. finding that stuff. Or, it is. Or just having somebody go, right, try this. And exactly. then you're like, oh, how did you put these together? And exactly. It's... Or to think, God, I would never think that you could have that as in ice cream format. Yeah. And it's not that. gimmicky either. Yeah, exactly. It's just very, it's very natural. And they are using everything that's around them. And the one ice cream, which we loved as kids, my nana... Um, and he's got it. It's literally his Nana's ice cream on the recipe. And I asked my little girl the other day, I was which was your favourite? And she was like, oh, it was Nana's. Aww. But it's double cream and egg yolks, I think. So it's very, oh, very wow. rich. Okay. So we used to have that when we were kids. And also that we used to serve one in the restaurant, which was Cointreau. And I remember trying it. And you'd be like, oh, this is a bit much. And then you're like, oh, yeah, it's just because it's got booze in it. Well, that sounds love because it's sort of orangey. Yeah, and... Amazing, yeah. Ooh, yeah. that sounds right yeah. up my street. It was good. So I want to fast forward a little bit mm-hmm. in your life. You studied performing arts in London. Yeah. And I know you were mentioning that you were dancing a lot when you were a child. What were your aspirations when you were a student? Where did you see it all going? Where did you want it to all go? Ooh. Where did I want it to go? Well, it's funny because the course I did was very experimental. It was a tiny, brand new postmodern theatre course. So they kind of, the first day, I remember sitting there and they said, if you want to be in Cats, you're in the wrong place. And I was like, oh, fuck, I just want to be in Cats. I was like, this is... We all wanted to be in Cats. Yeah. I wanted to be in Starlight Express. Oh, my God, did you see that? <laughs> yes. That was the first show I saw. I loved it. Loved that. So I was like, oh, f- I fucking ruined this one because I've got three years of just, you know, doing non-text-based work and all I wanted to learn is some Shakespeare and, yeah. and do some tap dancing. Um, so I was kind of in the wrong place, but I just wanted to come to London. I knew that's where I needed to be to make stuff happen. And I don't think I quite knew what it was yet, but musicals were like, were the drive for, it was all I'd ever done when I was younger. So I couldn't really think past that, but I loved cinema as well. It was always my favourite place to sit in the cinema, you know, that moment where the lights go down and yeah. being fully immersed in yeah. it. I always loved that. So that was kind of, and I wrote 
I remember like in my last year writing, I must have, I must have sounded so green, like writing letters to casting directors. I'd look at films and I'd see who the casting director was. Um, because there was no channel in my course to go, yeah. this is how you be an actor. It was very much like you're creating your own work. And I was okay. like, that's not really my bag. I don't have the natural kind of skill set for it. I need someone to take me on and give me a script and direct me. Um, I was like, I'm finishing my course. <laughs> I've come from Yorkshire. <laughs> you know, and I'd be like, right. They must have been like, oh my God, who's this absolute Wally? Whereas like everyone coming out of RADA will have been like, you know, full of beans and just like ready to take on the world. And I, I also quite like that though. That's I know I do hustle, now. That's isn't it? Mm. I guess in modern day, it's kind of like, you know, DMing someone on Instagram or, yeah. you know, it's, I've always been a letter writer and I yeah. always think, you know what? One day, it will, one day someone might read the letter and they yeah. may respond. Somebody might do it. I know. You've got to have some faith in that. And actually, the one person who did was the reason it all started happening. And it was Mary Selway, who was um, probably the greatest casting director we've ever had. And okay. she wrote back to me. In fact, then, then they rang me and they're like, do you want to come in for a chat? And I was like, oh, yeah. And she was casting Love Actually. And she went, you won't get oh it. Gosh. but But I'll, you know, we want to you to read from it and then she gave me a script and she helped me through the script and I went and met Richard Curtis and Marty McCutcheon got it that's far I mean of course she did oh my god it was this is one of my favorite films of all time I mean amazing right oh wow but that got things going and then I ended up with her daughter who was an agent at ICM so actually that letter that very naive letter was my way in. This is why in. I'm, sa- I'm yeah, saying, it you know, it in. does, out of a hundred letters, mm-hmm. there's always going to be that one yes, or, you know, one correspondence. Yeah, something. The right thing will come, Absolutely. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. So, mm. as you're sort of embarking in, so sort of around that time, yeah. where you sort of had that, you've come in and sort of read for Love Actually, whatever, what was the industry like at this time? I guess in some ways, probably easier. Um, I think there was something so... It's hard looking at it through the lens now because I feel like I feel like kids in their 20s are very clued up on what they need to do or where they want to go. Mm. And I think there was definitely a sense of um, I had absolutely no idea about what to do. So I stumbled across it. So you kind of just make short films for the love of it. And, you know, you realise 20 years later you bump into someone and you're on the same film and you're kind of, we were all stumbling across it together. And, you know, and so I kind of love those, like, very naive projects that I did then. You know, you try and turn up at a screening or you try and do a bit of networking, but, it, you know, it was... Some I wish I'd had more confidence. I wish I'd had a bit more bluster because in the auditions, which don't really happen now either, you'd go in, you do totally face-to-face. I didn't know stuff like, you know, I'd still have the script in my hand and I'd be reading it like we were auditioning now. And, you know, sometimes you could go in and go and have a chat with somebody and it was about seeing if you liked each other and how mm. you got on. That stuff doesn't really exist now. Mm. And the, I guess there's reasons why that doesn't happen. You don't go for a drink with anyone anymore, you know. There was, well, I so mean, re- so uh, it used to be quite sort of fluid in a way. I think so. And I think, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Because yeah. actually it's about how you get on with people a lot yeah. of the time. Um, it's, it's how you're going to interact. It's how you're going to have a conversation on set about... A scene or an emotion or something you're scared about and so there was a bit more movement with it um you know you'd all be sitting in the room you know you'd see like 15 girls looking like you or whatever all trying to that go in for the same thing very nervous i mean it was, i mean yeah and i was a like bag my heart's of already there. racing and i've never even yeah. even considered to be, to be an actress at all but yeah i mean because obviously these days most auditions are happening uh as like a video audition yeah you self-tape self-tape yeah right which I sort of again I don't know if this is like old head on young body I don't understand that because I agree with you yeah for me if I was a casting director or a director or mm. anything I want to be in the presence of the person that's going to be in my film mm. whether or not mm. they do it a great job on that first go it's just about the energy I think and so, I just yeah. don't think you can fully get that from no, from, from 30 seconds of seeing someone on on a screen. No, and there's also there's no there's no room for it to change. 
so, you know, and I went in the room the other day and it was the first time and I was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm absolutely yeah. shaking. So I said to him, and this is what I would never have done years ago. And I was like, this is my way forward. And I went, I'm absolutely terrified, but I'm also really excited. And I'm not sure which is winning at the moment. Um, so it broke the ice. You kind of, you're in and you're allowed to be a bit nervous because you've said it out loud. That works for me now. But also we did it and then he was like, oh, try it like this. And then we're like, try it like this, try that. And so you tweak it. And so the whole performance changes. Mm. And it's like, that's how it would be when you're at work. So if you can't have that on a self-tape, then there's no no room to breathe. There's no room to relax. There's Mm. no, you know... There's no room for the director to go. She can't take a she can't take a note, you know. And I think that's what's really useful. Yeah, no, I, mm. I completely agree. And I think that's even sort of with anything in life. I mean, obviously, after the past you know two three years of not even seeing anybody, like you mm. realise that just that for me connection happens in person. Mm. And you know, even like recording the podcast when I had to do it remotely for two years, it just. I had amazing conversations with people, but I just didn't get it. For me, it wasn't like over a hundred percent. It just felt like there yeah. was still that barrier, yeah, you know? You something. Yeah. So as I mentioned in the intro, you have been in many productions, mm-hmm. uh, both on TV and in film. Uh, I'm going to name some others, ITV's A Confession, Amazon Prime's Law, obviously The Musketeers on BBC, and then most recently, Van der Valk on ITV. Mm. And before we started recording, you said there's a couple that are quite interesting to talk about because they are linked to food because of obviously where you filmed. So let's talk about Van der Valk because yeah. that's the, the most recent um, production. What was that experience like? Oh, it's a game changer, that one, Van der Valk, I okay. think, because um, it's kind of dominated the last couple of years of my life. Um, it's been the main job I've had. And I, it was an interesting time in my life. I turned 40, I got divorced. and She I, turned 40, she looks <laughs> 28. With big bags. No, well, no, that was very no, no. sweet. I don't know what your secret you, you is. You thank my mum and dad. I'm still looking at the camera. There's still got a lot to do. <laughs> That's mum and dad. They got good skin. Um, so yeah, all of these big life things yeah. happened, and then that was the job I got. And I'd been auditioning for loads of stuff, and that was the one. And it wasn't the one I necessarily wanted. Okay. But it was definitely the one I needed because I needed that city. I didn't know that that was coming into my life. So, and even thinking about like today. All I think about Amsterdam now is kind of the three different apartments I've had and all of the food I've eaten around it. So my map of the city has kind of grown over the last three years, particularly this summer, because we were there last year when it was in lockdown. Mm -hmm. Um, So we, yeah, we were so limited. But this year, one of the girls who was, she was a runner on the first season and she'd worked in restaurants for years, so she's my go-to now. So I'm like, right, where's... I had a, I had a date, and I was like, right, where do I go? And she would give me a list. Love that. And her list is very much... I can see the places in London she would go to if she was okay. here. She's, you know, she's 28. She's got her finger on the pulse. She knows where... Um, she knows where all the natural wine is. She knows where the kind of vibe and where the kind of... They're pushing things, I mm, guess, in the city. Because mm. it's a bit behind here, I think. Um, so there's some like gorgeous places that I found with her and then they're all just kind of like my favorite bar Binavissa that's just opened two new places up so I'd go and I think I've been there yeah has it been around for a while yeah it has now and it's on a corner it's got the most amazing stained glass yeah it's all got a slightly duck soup kind of vibe to it I mean I'm a huge fan of Amsterdam I think it's honestly one of the most beautiful friendliest cities I've been to Mm. um you know and I I know that it's sort of got that other side of it that's like oh let's go away for like a lad's weekend and get high and do whatever else we need to do but take away all the that factor and it's just a fabulous place to be well that side of the city is like basically two streets literally (laughs) so I'm looking at people going why the fuck are you standing here when you could just be two streets away exactly I mean it is fabulous and so what was it like like being there for such a long period of time because I've only done like weekends there yeah it's it's heaven it's got a very it's a great quality of life they they get the balance right I think of working and playing um they very much value their um free time 
and they kind of give space to it and they kind of it's not all work Mm. and then no play you know and they really celebrate stuff so you know like it was my birthday on set and I didn't want to make a big deal of it but you know the girl who picked me up on the morning um Isabel had like the car full of balloons you know and that so I got to set and they put banners up and they had like birthday breakfast and everyone's just dancing they love celebrating so So they make a big deal of that stuff and can you talk about sort of the food you were eating I mean is there anything that sort of stands out to you um well particularly because I've not had crew food in London for uh, in England for a long time now but that partly because the crews are much smaller Mm. so the catering is sublime and it's very Indonesian. There's quite a big, heavy yeah. influence. So a lot of like lunch would just be this feast and it's color. That was the thing that always kind of got me. There's all of the little sides and dishes to add and herbs and spices. And, you know, it's it's a whole array. It's not just a kind of, it's not very meat heavy either. So it's vegetables. It's very fresh. Mm. It's, and you feel it, you get energy and you feel like you're eating well because there's so much taste. You know, and coffee's amazing on a morning, and like the little breakfast station with like overnight oats and stuff. Yeah, it's oh wow, it so works it's like yeah, it sounds good. And then they always do wrap snacks, which is my favorite thing. That was like the best thing ever. So they often have, depending on which set you're on, often have a drink at the end of the day, um, and something fried or like a little sandwich or like a falafel wrap or something, and that's your station because everyone lives ten minutes away. Yeah, it's not yeah, like here course. where you're two hours away. I mean, that's a really it's very social. Yeah, like the whole that's thing. a really interesting angle when we think about sort of um, TV or film productions is the catering, mm. because I can imagine it really differs from city to city, country to country. Yeah. I mean, off the top of your head, where would you say is the worst catering you've had? Ooh. Probably in England. I knew you were going to say that. I just had a feeling. But that's also from years ago, like when it was a bit stodgy. I think we've be got better, stodgy. but like yeah. I've been on like sort of photo shoots and things like yeah. years ago and I'd be like, like, what is going on? Like, what is this? Yeah. This, you know, I wouldn't feed this to my dog. <laughs> but also they're catering on massive scales. So they, so I think that's where, and, or it would just be heavy. So you'd be like, no wonder everyone's falling asleep because yeah. you've just had like treacle sponge <laughs> and custard, which nobody and like, needs. And like a doorstop of like lasagna or something. You don't need it, but you're going to eat it. And also, <laughs> I'm like such a glutton. So yeah. I would be like having all of it. And then yeah. you're like, no, you can't do that anymore. It's too much. Yeah. And then where would you say is like the best? Would you say Amsterdam? Oh, Amsterdam. Yeah, really? yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to go. I'd love to. I'm trying to think. I guess I was it's Italy, also budgets as well. Definitely you know? budget. Yeah. But, you know, we had a relatively small budget, I think, in Amsterdam. But I think, and some, we changed catering crews every month as well. And you'd get, particularly, you'd get quite a young, sexy vibe. I remember we had one block and it was four girls and they'd have music on every morning. So you felt like you were at a festival. So everybody's at work and you're just hanging out having coffee. So you instantly start the day with an energy Mm. and it's just got like a kind of nice little buzz to it so I want to sort of continuing on from talking about being on set because I mean I'm incredibly naive to this world I mean I've sort of been on sets but I'm all I always find it quite fascinating asking some of these questions Mm. so I want to know like how do you remember lines (laughs) I always like when I'm watching Mm. things because like obviously my husband's in in the world of and I'm always Mm. like I try and look at shows now and I'm like, you don't realise how much goes on behind this like 45 minute episode. How, like, how do you remember? Um, I find it quite hard. Okay. Um, some people, it depends what your brain is. You've got to, and it's taken me ages to really understand what my brain does. So I do now what Mark Warren has taught me to do. And he, so on Vanderbilt, he will learn, um, he'll learn, start learning lines for the Monday, the Monday before. And then he'll he'll work them every day. Oh. And then the Tuesday, he starts the Tuesday's line. So you're always a week ahead. Okay. And every day you run them. So by the time that Monday comes round, you do it. And then you're doing it for the next block. Because we've got so much to learn. And he's got even more than I have. So I've started to try and adopt that. Okay. Because I was like, that's where I need some kind of routine and anchorage. Because I can't just go. I've got some mates who can just go, uh, yeah, okay. And I'm like. I mean, that's like a photographic yes, memory. Yes, that's really special. Um, and I am totally in awe of that because I, mine doesn't work like that. I get very, and also if I'm battling my nerves, I have to be absolutely all over it. Otherwise I get, I'm going to. 
And just out of curiosity, I don't know if this is more down to the director or or is it just sort of like a general mm. sort of um, feeling? Are you do you have to say every word, like every line, word for word, or is there sort of room to be like if you've missed out, like, oh, I was so happy to see you. Oh, I'm I'm so glad I saw you. It, is it? It depends on. Depends on the writer, the director, the yeah. piece. Yeah, it varies, and you get a, you get a good sense of if how fluid you can be with it. Okay. Um, sometimes, absolutely not, mm. and it has to be word for word. Particularly if the writing's that specific, if it, the, there's a specific kind of rhythm or a style to it, um, then you have to stick with it. Like you're not going to go into colloquial language through like a sort of Shakespeare production, are you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, probably doesn't really you're work. Right, there. Nate. Yeah. Thou dost <laughs> deceived. I like throwing a mate in, or a, <laughs> mate or a like. Um, but uh, me and on Vandervolt, we have conversations a lot with Chris, who's the who's the okay. creator, and you know there there is definitely scope to say, could I rephrase this? Right, okay. is this possible? Yeah. That doesn't quite work for yeah. me. Yeah. And how do you get into character? Um, well, I depending on the project. Um, I always have a perfume for the character. Okay. So I always have a scent. And I've start, I started that on Musketeers. And I've got a couple of friends in the perfume world. Um, so I started on Musketeers. And I went to a friend of a friend. And I described the character. And we were in his place that he worked in in Marlebone. Uh, what's it called? Les, Les Sonteurs, I think. Okay. Um, this and, is fascinating. And he said, well, he gave me three options. And the first one was his instinct. And I smelt it. And it's not that it's a literal... It sometimes it's very literal. Sometimes it's just a feeling. And I picked... Uh, when I was playing Milady in the Musketeers, I picked... Um, it's called Habanita, and it's a 1920s. Very, uh, very seductive, musky. It used to be used on cigarettes Ooh. to kind of get rid of the, the okay. smell. So they used to drop it on there. Um, so I douse myself in perfume. That's something I do. So it depends on the character and, you know, little things like when I did a confession for ITV and I never used it, but I, cause I was playing, um, surveillance cop. So there was a lot of time where we were just sitting in the car watching or we were up in a bedroom and I thought, God, she needs a snack on her. So I had a picnic and <laughs> a Gabby's picnic <laughs> in my pocket the whole time. No, it was it a topic? Oh, I, was, I was talking about picnics the other day with someone. Was it a topic? No, it was a topic. And, a um, topic? God. Do I they wanted, still exist? I, I found some. I found loads of them. But I thought if I start eating them in the scene, continuity and... Pro I just. But I always had one and I had one in the, in, the, <laughs> in the pocket of the car and stuff. I thought that was a character thing. So I, like, I kind of go to town on all my little I imaginary like worlds. You sort of are creating a little... Mm. So you are creating the character sort of behind the scenes in a way. Yeah. I love that. And that one I wore like a really shit male body shop perfume aftershave. <laughs> like, so I gave it like it was her ex-boyfriend's. So I brought some sadness into it. I mean, you don't see any of that on screen. Of course, but, but it's, about, like, it's about you sort of getting yeah, yeah. into it. I love, that's a very, I love that. I mean, not that I will probably ever act in my life, but I would probably take those tips. Yeah, I like that. There we go. Who has been the, your favourite person to act alongside? Or the one that's kind of like resonated oh. the most with you? Do you know, it's such a tricky question because it, I think it varies so much. It's always surprising when you've got chemistry with somebody mm. and I think you never know when you're going to get chemistry. And I've had that in, in such lovely ways and, and sometimes are in a really potent way. Um, I loved working with Tom Burke on The Musketeers. That was a particularly um, brilliantly alive dynamic that we had with us. And again, we didn't really talk about it. It just happened mm. to kind of exist between us and between those particular characters. Um, and I d marveled at him. So I, lo so I loved that. And I felt like I had to like raise my game. You know, yeah. that's always kind of an interesting one. You know, and then in a different way, you know, working with Mark on Vandervolk, he it technically is incredible as well. So watching him... He goes, right, I'm going to give you this angle. I'm going to offer this up. I'm going to try this line on this one. He does this. And I'm, so I'm technically learning all of these amazing things and he has a confidence to do it. You know, so that is really impressive. Fascinating. I'm just sort of sitting here like, oh my God, I could hear 
you talk about the, the the behind the scenes of a of a of the film and TV world. It's really interesting. Yeah, and sometimes it's just sometimes you're not really in the scene very much, but you're yeah. watching somebody yeah. over there. I remember when I w- I did a, a a show with Danny Mays and Stephen Graham years ago called Top Buzzer, and those two as a double act before, and they're doing the show on Sky now. Mm. But we'd all worked together on Top Buzzer, and even seeing them in you know relative you know much younger because it's probably 15 years ago before they hit the levels they're at now just watching them bounce off each other and come with such kind of frenetic like energy and very very funny and watching just even watching that at play is kind of it's quite a privilege really Mm, no totally I can imagine so what else do we have coming up you you mentioned to me before recording that you've got something that's in production or it's you finished we finished it in March it's a film called The Performance um so we started shooting this time last year in Slovakia yeah and um that had come about and I know people talk about like dream jobs and all of that shit but like this was my total dream like so when I saw the blurb and it was 1930s New York tap dancing I went I mean even I I even from like doing (laughs) half an hour talking to you I'm like yeah that's right I was like I was like oh yeah let's let's do this one I said I say like I had a choice I didn't um but so I knocked together a little tap video when I was in Amsterdam and Mark filmed it for me we're in this kind of old fishing port and there was a skate ramp and I was like that's going to sound good tap dancing on it so we did it before a night shoot he just filmed and he's always making films so we filmed me tapping and that happened so that was um is based on an Arthur Miller story and we all kind of travel through Europe from New York just before war breaks out in, so we end up in Berlin so it becomes this almost like a kind of like fever dream ending mm. up with uh dancing for Hitler as it's wow. all like the whole world's about to kind of collapse around us it's really fascinating and I don't know when we'll see it how it'll come out but it's it's certainly the thing well for two reasons I tapped through my whole childhood and I never thought it was going to happen so I get quite emotional about it because I I didn't think you know I 25 years had passed and I'd literally get my shoes out from when I was 15 and rehearsing them and and I danced with Adam Garcia who I I know Okay, can I just say? <laughs> okay, go. Okay, Adam Garcia. <laughs> I remember seeing him in mm-hmm. Saturday Night Fever mm-hmm. on the theatre, and I think I was too young to understand what like infatuation and yeah. lust and love was. Mm. But all I'm saying is his posters may or may not have been on my bedroom wall. And <laughs> I may or may not have also then had a Saturday Night Fever birthday party. Um, I then may or may not have met him at a random party and cried because <laughs> I met him. He then was in Coyote Ugly. Oh my God, yeah. And uh, he's just the best thing. Yeah, I love that you had a Saturday night theme birthday party. Oh my God. <laughs> because of Adam Garcia. I don't know why. What did I expect? That he was going to show up to like an 11-year-old's birthday. I don't know. Oh my God, of course you did. <laughs> but I had him on my wall at uni and I didn't tell did I, get, did I get drunk on the last night and tell him I was planning to um and we'd knocked about a bit in our 20 like we'd hung out I had some friends some mutual friends and stuff but that was an absolute dream not least because he is the most generous human being and he's oh he's lovely as well he's very, Stop, I very can't funny. he's very clever he's just he's an impressively like a very impressive um person you know actor and his tapping is just sublime. I would literally be standing watching his feet go, going, how are you doing that? Incredible. So when he said nice things about when I could like, when I picked it up, I was like, oh my God, that is the greatest compliment of my entire Ever. life. Yeah. So how did it feel, I guess, well, tapping again after yeah. all those years? Because I assume you, did you sort of dibble, dabble into it a bit? I or? mean, constantly. I mean, even like the boots I have on today, they're quite tappy boots. So I will stand at bus stops. Tap down just, the street I will do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I just stand there and I'm like... Duh, 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 duh. So, but it's all really in my head. Um, yeah, it was, it was terrifying as well because I thought I didn't... Because obviously in my head I'm incredible as we all are at these things, but I didn't want the reality to be so depressing. Like yeah. I couldn't do the stuff. Yeah. So I really, I really worked hard... I had to, and I'm actually quite a shy performer. I'm not a big extrovert, really. So 
I ha- I always have that barrier to like get over and it's quite a big one. So to not just to, to learn the stuff, but then to perform it, I find, you know, I was watching them in the rehearsal rooms and they can turn it on in the rehearsal room and I can't do that. I find that yeah. really excruciating. Um, so it was hugely challenging and also just trying to get your body into a shape. Oh, and absolutely. also, you know, I had to eat differently. Yeah. I had to really... And I looked very much to Adam and Isaac and I was like, how do I eat during the day? Mm. Like the days we were dancing, the big filming days, I was like, I don't know how to regulate my blood sugar. I don't know where I need to get my energy from. So you're kind of in the dark a bit. Yeah, so like, you don't really think, I mean, you wouldn't think about it because, you know, it's not going to be the day you're going to be eating that big lasagna during, you know, lunch catering, are you? You know, no. you're going to have to be very strategic. Yeah. And stuff like you'd film the route, you'd be like doing a take of it and then they'd be breaking for lunch. And you're like, I'm really warm. Yeah. We need to keep going. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you have lunch and you stop. And then you're like, oh, my legs are seized up. Yeah, and yeah it was fascinating. Stuff I didn't wow. really know because I'd never worked as a professional dancer. I can't dancer. wait to see it. Mm. You must let me know. Well, I mean, I will know, but... You will know. Give me the inside scoop. I will do. So I want to take it back to mm. the food. So mm-hmm. obviously you are a foodie. When you are at home, do you cook a lot? Yes, I do. And But it's changed a lot because of having... a a child you know so you have to really adapt your food and and sometimes I will push it and then she'll be like I don't like it and you're like is she she quite good with food she's quite good but she doesn't eat like there's a few things she doesn't eat and they're really annoying like eggs and potatoes I'm like this is a nightmare the eggs is tough (laughs) the eggs is really tough so I try and sneak them into a carbonara you know french toast yeah you know we get them in places um so yeah I cook differently now um, but I love doing it. I love hosting. Um, I like just filling a table and having people around and just it being a bit scrappy and people just yeah. grabbing stuff and filling things in or just doing like what a is, big Anna Jones in the middle. Yes, absolutely. So what would be some of your sort of specialities at home? Um, which is funny because I feel like I've run out of specialities. I feel like they've changed a lot. Okay. So I need to, I think I need to rediscover some. I mean, sometimes it'll be like, I used to do like Jamie Oliver's like sausage, butter bean, tomato, all the herbs, big tray bake, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. Love them. Um, I've got a new speciality that I did last week and it was in the Guardian. It was the Ottolenghi potato groyer bake from a few weeks ago but I did celeriac and beetroot and then layer it with cheese and caramelized onions and loads of thyme (laughs) and that was like that and some pork belly and some broccoli yeah that was was casual just whipping out that That, was I can imagine as well with the beetroot and the celeriac that looked beautiful it looked absolutely Mm, because of all the layers yes so actually even that and some greens yeah Done. And a bottle of red. I mean, I've got to say, I've got Always. to be rude not to. <laughs> Always. Yeah. What yeah. food do you dislike? Um, there's not many things I don't like. Offal. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't do... Yeah. I think we, we used to have, and it used to be like one of the best sellers in the restaurant when we were kids, like steak and kidney pie. So I love the pie top. But like you'd bite into thinking it's a piece of steak and you'd get, and you'd be like, oh, it's a piece of kidney. This is absolutely vile. Like that. So that ruined it for me. Yeah. I just, and then I think maybe it's a texture thing. Yeah. I think it's a texture thing. I mean, I, I'm not an awful eater, so no. you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Here. Yeah. I think that that's probably the main thing. Tofu, I still, I, I don't know. I think I need someone it to cook it. It needs to be, it just, it needs a lot done to it to, to get to the point of, you know, deliciousness yeah but you know we're still working on that one yeah what three items are always in your fridge Mm, I know it's always in my freezer that's fine freezer's an easier one I think um curry leaves okay when I went to Sri Lanka a few years ago and I did a cookery course with do you know Emily Dobbs who's got the book Welly Gemma yes I've heard of her and weirdly she used to work at Rory, she used to work at Duck Soup for a bit, and I went to Sri Lanka and I wanted to learn to cook, so I and found her, um, and she said curry leaves and ginger in your freezer. So if you're making a dal, which I do regularly, okay. you know, it's all in there. Yeah. So I was like, curry leaves are always in the freezer. I love that. Mm. And what's your third item? Cookie dough. Oh, okay. Like is that cookie dough you've made yourself? Yeah. What just in the freezer? Yeah, always. Just. I mean, the other day I got 
so impatient that I didn't wait to cook the cookies. I took them out and I'd done like some Ottolenghi, like Anzac cookies. So I just ate them frozen. <laughs> I chopped them up as I was doing something That's else. That's the sort of stuff that I do. That was just really total nice. impatience. Yeah, and just that. like, yeah, I whatever. Want 20 minutes. Who, who cares if it's frozen or not? It still tastes good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, cookie dough, curry leaves and... Um, ginger. And ginger. Yeah, or croissants. Okay. Bag Lovely. of M&S croissants. Yeah, that'll get you through some p- p- difficult times. Yeah. Where are some of your favourite restaurants when you're out and about? Um, well, I feel like locked, from lockdown and being abroad a lot, I feel like I haven't got as many London ones. Um, Banners in Crouch End is always okay. a bit of a go-to. Um, I love Brawn, Smokestack. Always a good, sexy, yeah. sexy yeah. bar date and smokestack. Um, my mates have got a place called Floral Hall in Crouch End. Oh, yeah, I've heard Which of it. is a bit yeah. more of a kind of cocktail, small plates. I love that. Right. I always finish my conversations mm. with the <laughs> famous or the infamous, I don't know, yeah. quick fire questions. Yeah. So what is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Oh, this is, I, oh, I'm not sure about it's this. It's subjective. You I know. don't know if it's crazy, but the weird... And I didn't like it, and I had it this summer. It was sea urchin. Okay, that's interesting. That's a delicacy. It is, but it was horrible. They put, like, custard in it. <laughs> it was in this place, in this amazing restaurant in Amsterdam, in this old warehouse. So the rest of it was incredible, and I was on a date. <laughs> Classic, yeah, just on a date. <laughs> and we were like, let's have sea urchin, because um, I've never had it. So it was all, I think it was a texture, it all went cold and then some strange custard. I feel like there was tarragon, but that's maybe just too weird. The whole thing was a, like a real bum steer. Right, yeah. okay. And also a soup I had when I was a kid in France, which felt like it was, it felt like frog spawn. Okay, maybe it was. <laughs> I don't know. It probably was, but it felt like little gloopy little eyeballs. Oh, God. Yeah. Horrid. No, yeah. thank you, but no thank you. No, okay, I'll, I'll accept those answers. Okay, thanks. What has been your most <laughs> memorable meal? Do you know what? It's funny. If I think about, I have so many food memories and it's never the full meal. Mm-hmm. So it will go from, it will be like random things that pop into my head, like butter and brawn. Like, okay, I remember yeah, being I there, and that was, like, the greatest butcher I think I've ever tasted. I don't know if it's still like that, but it was a few years ago. Um, I remember when I was, a, like, early 20s, and this is when my when Rory had his restaurant up in the northeast, and he had a night off. I think they'd shut the restaurant or something, and he went, shall I come down and take you for dinner? And I went, yeah. And I was skint. My little brother was a dancer in London. We were both skint. So he jumped in this shit white van. He jumped in this white van, drove five hours, picked us both up. We went to Shiki's, parked the white van outside, got there for like 10 o'clock. And I don't remember what we had, but I remember we drank um, Billy Carr's salmon. So we had like, it was my first proper like pink fizz, which so that's, that's kind of that seared in my memory. And we sat in the window, the three of us, we've had loads of meals, just the three of us where like that was just totally random. And then we were up all night and then he he drove back to Middlesbrough like the next day. I love stories like that. So it's more about that than the, than the meal as such. There's, we have this mythical place up in Nice. And I don't know if it still exists. It was called La Chomia. And we went, I was about 18. And we went with like all the family, family, friends. Michael Winner was with, with us. I mean, Rand- that was, that's random. Random. But also fabulous. Yeah, fun. Like, it was just so strange. Uh, Winner was at the other end of the table. Why, why was Winner there? Because he was friends with my dad's mate. <laughs> so Winner, Winner was up there. Didn't pay us, didn't, I don't even said hi, but bless him. Um, but we had the most incredible aubergine like a baba ganoush I guess and I didn't realize how expensive this place was and you had to call ahead and you had to say chicken or fish the the big open fire so they just put whole chickens this aubergine and like bread it was very rustic and Roger Moore was sitting over there I remember like because I was like oh it's a bit pricey right we're not paying um but it was that aubergine I remember that dish yeah, so it's always, it's like the dish or it's the lighting. or it's I a, love your food stories and all these random people yeah, that are just are, popping yeah, up. Yeah, they're a bit, <laughs> a bit bizarre. Important question. Oh God, okay. 
My favourite snack of all time is a packet of crisps. My listeners know that my favourite flavour is pickled onion monster munch. Oh my god, me too. They're sitting... What? Wait, hold on. Wait, what? I didn't know that. Is that your favourite flavour? Yeah, isn't it Grace? Is it Grace Dense as well? Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) I saw monster munch out the... Just out behind your head. And you were wondering why they were sitting on a cake stand. (laughs) Oh, is it? Are they yours? Well, I mean... I love, I'm lo- I love a crisp. So those um, prawn cocktail seabrook crisps. Okay, no, 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 no. Stop. Can I have one? Good, no, oh, no. no. Okay, no. you were doing really well. Okay. So don't ruin it. <laughs> oh. I. Okay. It's now becoming quite a thing that I absolutely hate prawn cocktail crisps because Excellent. they're not a flavour. It's not a flavour. I mean, it is. Does it taste of prawn? No. Does it taste of chemicals? Yes. Yeah. I love so chemicals. So I'm going to tell you... <laughs> I'm going to be really unprofessional and say I really loved you at that moment and I don't want you to ruin this relationship. Can I win it back with some uh, manchego and green olive? Yes. uh, We call them manamosas. Yes, they're they're amazing. Great brand. Love those guys. Love that. I literally, Saturday night, had a half a bottle of red, a packet of those and watched Strictly. Yeah, perfect. Because they're so Mm flavoursome. If you just lick them. And they also, I love licking them too. I mean, actually, maybe that's it. If you didn't want to just eat the whole packet, which I can't not yeah, do, just, just lick them, them and just and put, put them into a separate <laughs> Oh, God. The things we yeah, do at yeah, home. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to take those two answers. You, it was a little, I don't know, you, were, you weren't re- working out what you were saying. You're edit you, that you lost out yourself. Now. Oh, you little shit. You're going to take it out. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I've got to keep it in. Good. <laughs> expose you to the world. <laughs> Good. I love them. Okay, next question. What food sums up happiness for you? Uh, I think it would be, ah, I was going to say one of two meals that my dad would make. It's a bit of a family steak salad and chips. Um, yeah. And I can never choose between Bernays or poivre sauce. So I'd probably have to have both. Okay. Um, and then it would also be a couple of things from San Lorenzo's. It would be crudite. Still on it, yeah. I'm still, I'm, I'd have I to mean, come I, back I, I, there. I'm still have not over this connection, yeah. but that is a really special like dish, yeah. That sauce, and I could drink it from the bowl. Oh, I know, and I just see the bowl oh, and the yeah. yeah, sort of the it's like the anchovy cream and walnuts, walnuts, yeah. And just when it starts to burn down yeah, at the bottom, and you're like, oh no, it's like the magic I, porridge. I never pot. know how to pronounce it, banya banya powder, yeah, yeah. In fact, the first, when we went to Mallorca in the summer to my brother's, um, he just started doing some small plates that first night and we got there at 11 and he had a uh, crudite on. Beautiful. So we sat and had a, like that and a glass of wine and, and then some ice cream. So definitely crudite and, and the penne from there, ala viali. Yeah. yeah, that... <laughs> That, I think those two things. God, I, I don't know. Mm. I feel I like not like I'm going to cry, but it just feels so emotional talking about this because I haven't been able to talk about it with anyone since I've started Crazy Sexy really? Food. Yeah. So it's just so lovely. This is why I do this because these conversations would have never have happened. Yeah. Anyway, final question: mm-hmm. Live to eat or eat to live? Oh, this is this is always confused. Hold on, let me just say it again in my head: Live to eat, eat to live, eat to live. Perfect. It's totally... Oh, no, it's both of them. Okay. This is where I get a bit confused. That's okay. Because all I think about is what I'm going to eat. Yeah. So I'm living to eat, and then I'm eat. No, I'm living to eat. That's it, that's it. Yeah, sorry, that's it. Eat to live. No, 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 I'm not doing that. My friend does that. (laughs) Sorry, that's where I... My friend does that, whoever you are. (laughs) You ain't coming on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, she's not bothered. She's really not to bothered. To be honest, I do get both answers. Oh no, I live to eat. Yeah, 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 I do get, and I've had some real surprises over the over the um, over the episodes because I think first of all it's quite philosophical, and it's how mm. you take it. There are some people who are massive foodies mm. who still eat to live mm. because I guess they're just still conscious of how much they're eating. Perhaps I don't know. I mean, again, I mean, I'm I'm live to eat, so yeah. I don't know any other way. I'm I'm more conscious now getting older. Yeah. I think that's definitely that's definitely shifted. I think it's definitely about um it's it's certainly an energy thing. Mm. It's like needing the right kind of fuel. Yeah. And so I know when I'm just 
you know, like the other week, I was just eating, I had like four burgers that week. I was like, what was that about? I mean, they were amazing, but I was like, I, that's not sustainable. Mm. And I'll turn into like the size of a bus. Yeah, no, I know. Um, I mean, that's how I feel about pizzas. I really want oh, to pizza. eat pizza every day, but I can't. Mm, you so know. good. And also, I think if you're eating too much of something, you start losing the pleasure of it anyway, oh, right? Yeah, so absolutely. you still want some things to be a little bit of a sort of no, you special to, occasion yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end. Mm. Mamie, you're an absolute joy. You. you too. I still can't get over that we used to go to the same childhood restaurant. I know. I wish you all the best with all your future projects coming up. I can't wait to see you tap dancing with Adam Garcia. Still not over that. No, never. I'm so happy that we have connected. <laughs> yeah. I hope that we can one day in the future have lunch with Adam. You give me a tap dance. We'll reopen San Lorenzo and have crudite together. There we go. Until next time, guys. Thank you for listening. If you love what you hear, please subscribe and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Crazy Sexy Food and check out the Crazy Sexy Food YouTube channel. Until next time. Bye.